Hi everyone, uh, Peyton here, uh, coming to you again with my metaphoric tail between my metaphoric legs uh, to apologize. The beginning 30 minutes or so of this episode, I really shit the bed. Uh, I not only shit the bed, but I continued to sleep in the shit and rolled around in it. So when I woke up, I was covered in shit. Um, by that, I mean I accidentally recorded the beginning 30 minutes of this episode of my audio with my onboard computer mic, not my actual mic. So it the audio is somewhat rough. I did my best to edit it to where at least it's not peaking uh, the speakers and you can hear Austin, but it's definitely noticeable. I think the first 30 minutes is really funny, though, so hopefully you can put past the technical issues and enjoy that part. But once we get into the movie itself, everything kind of figures itself out. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Sorry about the troubles. Thanks. Peyton. Oh, hi, Peyton. Hi, Austin. I'm Austin. Who, hi, Austin, who also does the show. That's me. It is you. It, uh, nothing's different. Don't nope. Worry. Uh, Austin, in, in the news, you see that they un, unsticked the stuck? Oh, the big boy? The big in boy. The, in, the, in the river? The big boy in the hallway. In, in the Mississippi? Yeah. The big ship. Yeah, in the, the ship in the Mississippi. Yeah. Well, and they unstick that stuck, and then on Friday, I'm getting stuck with the stick. Oh, you're getting the stick stuck? Yeah, I'm getting the, the vaccine on Friday. The oh, the Johnson and Johnson Jansen Jansen. Johnson's you, vaccine. Well, isn't the name like the Johnson and Johnson Jansen vaccine? Johnson and Johnson is the parent company, and then Jansen's like the pharmaceutical branch, I think. Which is funny, because it's like already sounds you know it's already johnson and johnson so and then nice. jansen sounds like johnson and it's like i'll say it jansen 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 vaccine time hey if you're hurt in an accident call johnson johnson and jansen law attorneys it, it does it sounds like a law firm that's true um so you drinking oh. anything uh no i actually just finished a nice hard cider that's good 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 for you yeah, I do like that sweet apple taste. What about mm. you, baby? Uh, no, I'm I'm dry, bone dry. Oh, you're raw dog in this episode. I'm raw dog in it. Ooh. No beverage, no liquid, no moisture. Wow, what a time to be alive. Toughen it. You're just toughen it. Toughen it out. Austin, let's not beat around the bush. I got a lot I wanted to say about today's uh, film, as well as the man who made today's film. Many, many uh, gems to share with you, if you will. Well, I can't wait. Um, so let's get into it. Austin, do you know what, you remember what this week's movie is that I told you about? Uh, Assassin's Creed 33. Uh, yes, it is the 33 game in the Assassin's Creed uh, franchise. <laughs> No, uh, if I remember correctly, it's Assassin Thirty Three Ad. Yes, except that's uh, AD, as in ah. the date. 
not ad. See, I thought it was a reference to advertisements, which were common in the 33s. No, that's incorrect. Okay. Um, Assassin 33 AD is the film today. Uh, it is a spe- it is an Easter selection. This is a this coming Sunday is the holiday of Easter. Uh, so I figure I'd pick a fittingly religious film for our yeah. Easter week episode. That's fine by me. So Austin, what do you know, and what do you what do you want to know about Assassin Thirty Three A.D.? So I'll be honest, I know fucking nothing about this one. You know, diddly squat. I didn't do any Googling. I didn't look at anything. I was like, you know, I'm going to trust my good friend Peyton to explain it to me very well. Okay. Um, my li- Your life is in my hands, so to speak. I'll say it usually is. Um, so my first big question, I think it's the one that everyone wants to know, is when does this movie take place? Well, it takes place in both in 2020. Well, I assume it takes place modern day. Okay. Doesn't ever say specifically the year, but assuming since it was released in 2020, you can guess that it's a modern day, so, you know, 2020, 2019, as well as partially taking place in 33 AD. Oh, well, that makes sense, given the title. Very true. Um, does anyone wear some cool robes? Yes, there... Are there, like, a good selection of robes? Uh, there is a nice selection of period costumes. Period-accurate sure. costumes. Yeah, not costumes cool. for when you're on your period. Right, no, no, no. Um, now, would you classify this as, like, a cheeky action film, or does it take itself very seriously as, like, a drama? Uh, I mean, it has elements of, uh, it has tongue-in-cheek elements, but primarily, or, you know, it has moments and a character that is a bit of comedy, comedic relief, but overall, this is a film that takes itself seriously. I would say... It is a film that has strong religious message, moral message it's sending. Okay, okay. Um, at some point, is there a love interest with a heart of gold? Uh, there is a love interest, and she is sort of somewhat of a moral anchoring character. Yes. Wonderful. Um... Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? No. Okay, perfect. I think there's only one... There's maybe one female character with a name that talks. Great, great. Um, And as far as the cast goes, any big names, anything that the audience or I would recognize? And is the director someone I would recognize? Uh, Absolutely not on both accounts, but I am about to tell you many fantastic tidbits of information about this dear director well i'm very excited to hear all of them um and uh that's all the questions i have all right austin very nice so before we get into me explaining the plot of this film Mm -hmm. last night doing some research post film i uh discovered some information about this director via his personal website and i just needed yes i just needed to share it with you because it is too good not to let me set up some first okay so this film is very much it this film is an evangelical uh i would say it's a high concept evangelical film oh okay if you can wrap your head around that 
So, as high concept as a uh, techno priest from the last movie? Not as high concept as Johnny Mnemonic, but it is, it's by far the most high concept religious film I've seen. This movie is a full-on sci-fi action film with religious theme. I'm incredibly excited it's an to e- hear about this. It's an evangelical film. It's the first genre evangelical film I've seen um, in... in made in these modern times oh baby um but let me tell you some about this man who wrote and directed the film his name is jim carroll not to be confused with jim carrey yes jim carroll uh and according to his website this is the opening it says jim or no it says james parentheses jim w carroll born 1954 is an american entrepreneur seminar director businessman screenwriter, composer, author, poker player, and film director. So he's just doing the most. He is quite busy. Uh, Some of his past projects include Marriage Boot Camp, which in 2012 to 2013, Thank Factory and WeTV brought the toughest challenge yet to Jim and his team. The idea was to stick five of the toughest bridezillas and their spouses with marriages on the rocks in a reality house while Jim, Elizabeth, and their team attempted to save the marriages. The show was a big hit for WeTV. Jim and Elizabeth Carroll have been featured on Fox News, Fox and Friends, CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, Huffington Live, Arthur Cade, Glamour, and more. So that's a past project apparently he worked on was some sort of marriage counseling reality show. Well, that's really neat. He also, according to this website, poker champion. Jim got his start playing poker in sleazy, smoky backroom games while in high school. Jim was the high school chess champ and enjoyed playing 10 challengers at the same time. Poker was a natural fit for his skills. The game he enjoyed the most were seven card stud and card guts. Or three card guts. The guys running around were always cheating. They would constantly switch the decks. It actually made me a better player because I had to keep an eye on everything going on around me. That was a quote from Jim. Ah, uh, thank you, Jim. Jim also apparently is the owner, I guess, it doesn't specify, of something called Champion National Security, which this will directly tie into the film, so keep that in mind. Champion National Security. Champion National Security is focused on the total security guard industry. That means we bring an experience-based custom solution to each project and post. Our clients tap into over 40 years of proven security solutions. We recognize the massive diversity of the security requirements based on unique conditions, characteristics, and facilities presented by each post and position. So, I don't think he knows what he wants to do besides all of it. Yeah, yeah. The good point. This man has his thumbs in a lot of pies, his fingers in a lot of cookie jars. And you know what they say about people who keep sticking their thumbs in other people's pies? Uh, no. Just stop it. Oh. All of this, Austin, has been a bit of a warm-up to by far the funniest part on this website, at least to me. Uh, that is the early life section. So buckle up. I'm buckled in. 
Jim Carroll was born in Dallas, the only son of James N. Carroll, an engineer, and Nola Jean Carroll, a school teacher. He has two th- sisters. The older is Peggy Miller, and the younger is Lisa Deford. Buckle up for this, Austin. Jim was an exceptional athlete until he broke his leg in the sixth grade. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> let's back that up. He's saying. Oh, hold on, I'm just going to go on. Hold on. <laughs> While stepping out of one car, another car backed into the door, crushing his leg. Jim claims he never recovered his speed and lost his fearless instinct. From that point on, Jim was very determined wannabe athlete. He was never able to win a starting position on the Garland High School football or basketball team, but he probably put forth, forth more effort than anyone on the team. So, this, let me get something straight. This kid... This this grade. this adult man writing this now who is in this his like man. late fifties, early sixties. He claims to have been an exceptional athlete in fifth grade. Apparently his exceptional athletic feats, including speed and fearless instinct, were all pre-sixth grade. <laughs> No, and he's saying an early he's saying he goes on to explicitly say man i i really was such a loser in high school and could not make the teams i would have if not for my sixth grade accident if i would have still been as strong as i was when i was five years old oh my god this dude what <laughs> what? what did you watch like i I can't even imagine with this man's perspective of the world what this movie is going to be. Yes, uh so uh yeah, interesting guy, but it goes on. Listen. Oh, it? Yes, not the end. Oh. Dear not the end, not even close. His most enjoyable year in high school sports was when he was demoted to the B team. He became the captain and was the starting quarterback for the season. He only weighed 140 pounds soaking wet, so it was the perfect fit for him. Listen, unfortunately, his self-esteem was ingrained in his athletic ability, and it became unhealthy for him. He quit the team his senior year and isolated himself from everybody except his high school girlfriend. Why would you write this on your personal website? This dude is just like making himself out to be the most have the most pathetic childhood. Is he trying to like win like pity? I don't know. I don't know, dude. Okay, listen. Yeah, I'm confused. In typical isolation mode, Jim found himself driving around on December thirty first, nineteen seventy three, New Year's Eve. Yeah, we got that December thirty first is usually New Year's Eve, Jim. Uh, with nowhere to go. He was pulled over for speeding in the parking lot of Old Orchard Baptist Church. After the police officer left, Jim walked into an all-night prayer chapel. None of this now seems coincidental, but at the time, this random set of circumstances left Jim with transformed life. Jim had an encounter with God while speeding that night in the chapel. In the middle of the night, he accepted Christ as his personal savior and friend. So, much like our fra- our, our pal from episode 1, J.D. Vance, this... This incident of getting a freaking speeding ticket is Jim's dark night of the soul. <laughs> this is his lowest point. Of... <laughs> a speeding ticket. Dude got a speeding ticket and traumatized him so much he went directly into the church next door and prayed all night for forgiveness. Dude, I... Who is this guy? 
I've gotten two speeding tickets, um, and the only remorse I feel is that my car insurance is more expensive because of it. <laughs> exactly. This, this for him was a moral failing. His, his isolation and badness at sports got him in a bad place, so he got a speeding ticket. If only he wouldn't have broken his damn leg in sixth grade. This dude is literally like the the like Napoleon Dynamite uncle who's like, if I would have been put in in the final game of the big game in high school, I would have thrown that touchdown. I would have made it big. Okay. I would have been big. Here we go. Jim was still Jim was still a loner, but things changed rapidly when he met the trio of Biff Lieb, John Ott Stott, and Carol Seals in college. John had a way of opening Jim's heart, Biff forced Jim out of his comfort zone, and Carol provided spiritual insight about God. It was during this time that Jim learned what it meant to love God and not just know about him. It was truly life-changing. Jim personally grew and changed, and he was off to the races. So that part's not super interesting. Moving on. Sure, sure. While at Richard Junior College, Jim's athletic ability began to return. He set two weightlifting records. Jim had never wrestled, but he tried out and won the starting spot of the renowned wrestling team, the Richland Thunderducks. 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 This sounds like an it's this sounds like an always sunny like Mac episode. Yeah, no, this is like a hard times article. <laughs> this guy is like this guy is like a parody character. Listen. This guy introduces himself as an entrepreneur, I just know it. It gets better. With the encouragement of his friend's friend, Biff, Jim began dancing during the Great Disco Era. Jim and his dance partners were so good that they won two trips to Vegas, one trip to Fort Lauderdale, oh boy, and every... Ooh, Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> huh? Oh boy, and every major contest in Dallas-Fort Worth area. In 1976, Jim entered a dance marathon at UTA. Jim was able to raise money for charity raised more money for charity than all the fraternities and sororities combined. In addition, Jim and his partner walked away winning every contest during the three grueling days. So the thing with this bio is, like, it shifts rapidly back and forth between the most pitiful, like, embarrassing <laughs> moments to these, like, moments where he's bragging about breaking weightlifting records and wrestling and being the greatest dancer of all time. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why is he? <sighs> Moving on from his early life, though, Austin, uh, there's more, um, so you know. Uh, private investigator. So apparently Jim worked as a private investigator under some famous private investigator named William C. Deer. William worked... C. Deer? <laughs> Are you doing Get a out. bit? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, but apparently this private investigator he worked under was involved in, like, in 1981, the the exhumation of Lee Harvey Oswald's body. So, that's interesting. From there, in 1978, Jim moved on to being a bounty hunter. Jim was a one-man team and used his investigative background to bring up to 20 bail jumpers per week. The money was exciting and very profitable, but the job took its toll. Jim hated locking people back up. In addition, the job was dangerous because of Texas law. Jim could not carry a gun. What in Texas? What? I'm pretty sure he could. I, I bet. I bet this dude. I bet Jim has some sort of like something in his personal record is like completely fucked up to the point where they won't allow him to have a gun. In, yeah, it's in, in, in the 
he's just writing it here to frame it as if it's Texas law because he's not specific about what law. It could just be like he he got diagnosed with something and he's on the like no fly list for guns. Because uh, I think Texas is pretty fairly easy, especially if you're in a job like bounty hunter to get a gun. But even then, like, do ba- I, I, as a bounty hunter, you're not supposed to kill people. You're supposed to detain them, so... Yeah, you're literally just, like, finding them and getting them to law enforcement. Uh, Jim quit his job after chasing a felon through a house full of illegal firearms. Wait, what? I don't know, man. Was the fucking yakety sax? <laughs> exactly. I don't... I, I hope so. Uh, moving on. Uh, here's where uh, another moment of patheticness... Uh, In 1979, Jim prayerfully decided to change career paths with a criminal record. Okay, it says with a criminal record, and I'm going to assume he's not that dramatic that he's describing the speeding ticket he got as with a criminal as a criminal record. So I'm going to assume he has a criminal record that leading back into the whole gun thing. And he has some sort of criminal record charge that he's not disclosing here. He doesn't want to because he runs a security company. Yeah, so back with a criminal record, Jim would not be able to sign on with any reputable law enforcement agency. Oh, <laughs> so so he's he's one of those losers who can't even be a cop. <laughs> um, Jim decided he wanted to be a sales representative for Rouston Purina, which I assume is like the the cat food Purina, but I'm not sure. Um, Dog chow, baby. Yeah. Uh, basically he got the job and then he brags about how he won them over with his determination. He was, uh, in the first year of his, his, his employment, he got three promotions, top four sales rep, winning a trip to the Super Bowl and Disneyland. That's a cool combo. Now, Austin, do you think that's all that Jim wants to tell us about in his personal section on the website? Can I love you, I guess? Yeah. No. You would be right. Uh, moving on, literary career literary career jim carroll has published has has had four published books cover of darkness which is an end of time thriller was published by huntington house and became the best-selling novel their best-selling novel in 1990 uh in 1992 he published uh angel vision angel vision is about a group of people trapped in the spiritual realm so we see here him laying some groundwork for this uh high concept religious uh thriller action genre I respect it. Apparently, it goes on to talk about he also wrote um, some books about Hollywood dating blunders in 2001, as well as uh, something about, um, let's see, uh, how to have a healthy approach to marriage. Okay. Film. Fil- <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Filmmaking career. Uh, this is another moment of uh, patheticness. This is This is the most like. Just okay. In 2006, Jim Carroll produced and directed the movie *Evil Behind You*. The movie was released on DVD and is currently available in all major retail outlets. You can find information on this movie at *Evil Behind You*, not .com, just *Evil Behind You*. He oh, forgot. He, he forgot to write .com. Uh, let's, oh, here's the great part, though. Because Evil Behind You was a low-budget movie and the majority of the cast and crew were college students, it is lacking in many areas. But for the amount of money Jim spent, Jim claims it's a masterpiece. Oh, what a, what a, you don't say that when you're writing about your movie. Like, you're the one in charge of making the movie. If you wanted it to be better, then don't hire college students, dude. That was your decision. Yeah, that's like a weird You don't cop out, you don't cop out like that. Like, yeah, that's how... 
independent filmmaking is, dude. <laughs> like, I don't know what you expected. Um, apparently, he uh, also did some music soundtracks. Um, so he's done some musical soundtracks. Uh, seminars and TV. Uh, this is a big, long section I won't read all of about doing reality shows and, um, you know, the marriage counseling boot camp show, all of that. Uh, Jim made an appearance on the TV series Poker in America. Jim likes to portray himself as a donkey, so he mess with people's mind. That, let me read that sentence verbatim again. Jim likes to portray, portray himself as a donkey, so he mess with people's mind. There's some Jared Leto shit. There, uh, and there's also some bad grammar. Yeah. So he mess with people's mind. He mess with people's mind. Not he messes with people's minds. It's he mess with people's mind. Singular mind. He admits he. Oh, here, here we go. It's just some more misspelling here. He admits he is not as good as the pros, but he has a knack for manipulating others. Make the wrong decisions. A knack for manipulating others. Make the wrong decisions. I don't. A knack for manipulating others into making making the wrong decisions. But he says, knack for manipulating others, make the wrong decisions. I don't know even what he's trying to say, I'll be honest. Uh, me neither. Uh, it also says that uh, he has been married three times, which given the kind of holier-than-thou messaging of this film, as we'll get into, I think is very funny. Um, yeah, I'll say. I want to go just a second. He has a whole section of his website about his poker uh, playing. Um, so, uh, I want to just skin this real quick, because I, I bet it is very funny and, like, cool dad, you know, trying to be, like, a cool guy, uh, section is my feeling. While in college, Jim continued playing poker and making nice money on the side. However, an event took place that caused him to give up poker for 30 years. Quote, I was playing in a friendly home game, and I had just wiped out a husband and his wife. I didn't think anything about it because it wasn't a lot of money. However, I went to the next room and saw them embrace each other crying in the adjacent room. I felt so guilty that I took all the money I had won, tossed it on the kitchen table, and left. That was the end of Jim's poker days. Except, 32 years later, Jim had just undergone simultaneous soldier, shoulder and knee surgery. It was his fourth shoulder surgery, but this time they added a second knee surgery. As a competitor, Jim had always pushed his body hard to compete, but this time, he decided he needed a different way to fulfill his competitive nature. His mobility... From poker? No, apparently, he means he couldn't do other things anymore, so he was driven back to poker. Because it says he began to play online poker. The thrill was back. Shortly thereafter, Jim began driving to Oklahoma to play at the Windstar. He didn't care much for the cash games and rarely plays them today, but he fell in love with the Friday tournaments. And apparently, he was on a uh, televised poker game... Um, that I don't know if he won. Oh, no, he did. While Jim was going through this, his divorce, he won $700,000. Half of the money went to his ex, but Jim didn't mind. I feel God favored me during the poker tournament and allowed me to win. 
This dude keeps owning himself so hard. He literally just says he won $7,000 but had to give half of it to his ex-wife. He willingly says this on his website. Yeah, like, he's he's just cool with I mean, good for him for being at peace with this kind of shit. I like, guess so. Uh, he's not real. <laughs> I don't understand this. Uh, I really want to find out about his, his, uh, what, what do you call it? His, um, his criminal record, but there's nothing on the website about it. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, oh, oh, Jim, that's not all Jim has done. At the very, very bottom of his filmmaking career and media page on his website, it says, Other Ventures. Jim has tinkered with other businesses throughout his lifetime. Yeah, no shit. No shit. Some of the notables are Cool Cola. Jim created a vitamin-infused soft drink that had fewer calories than Pepsi and Coke while beating both products in a taste test. Unfortunately, the product was brought off the cola shelves by the competition. Oh, bought off the cola shelves by the competitors and landed in the health food section. This dude is literally an It's Always Sunny character. He's making wolf cola and trying to sell it. This dude is like this dude is like evangelical Frank Reynolds, Danny DeVito character. I just I, I don't know I'm I'm speechless about this man. He doesn't feel real and I No. Jim it goes on. There's more. Jim also created the first over-the-counter teeth whitener. Miracle Smile took the ingredients that dentists use to whiten teeth and became the leader in home teeth whitening kits. However, the FDA ruled that it was an over-the-counter drug and forced the destruction of over a million dollars worth of products or or criminal or face criminal prosecution. So he, he wrote this in his own fucking life. This is by him. Two weeks after all the product was destroyed, the FDA sent a letter and Jim could continue selling the product, but the FDA could change their mind at any time. Jim felt like he was strong-armed by the government and the dentist lobbyists. He sued the government for damages and lost. The dentist lobbyists. The, the, evil, the evil dentist lobby. They're out there. They're out there playing hard politics, man. You look into Absolutely. you look into George Soros and all of them, you'll find the dentist lobby is behind all of it. Dentist lobby funds Antifa, Black Lives Matter. It's all it's all pawn it's all pawns in the dentist lobby game of shadows. Uh, this dude you're peeking a little bit. Am I peeking? Yeah. Sorry, I just can't help but laugh because all this <laughs> is so funny. It's ridiculous. Alright Austin, I, I have my actual mic connected now after realizing that everything we just recorded was with my shitty onboard computer mic, so hopefully from here on out in the show it sounds way better. Yeah, you dingus. Uh, just dang dingus. Hopefully though the quality of what, of the sheer hilarity of what we just read and experienced uh, is, is compensates for the uh, poor quality of my mic. I oh, mean, I'll say. T when I found this last night after watching the movie, I was... 
dying laughing because I literally just like searched because like his IMDb had barely anything and I wanted to know more about him. So I just searched him up and then I found this personal website and obviously it's like the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, no, this man is a joke. But with that, Austin, are you ready to get into the plot of of the oh, or boy, the, am I of the marvelous Jim Carroll's film Assassin Thirty Three A D? That's a great title. Uh, are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Well, then let's get to it. Now, as far as I know, I I, I didn't see anything about it on the website. He did not make this film uh, with the cast and crew of college students, so hopefully it's better. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping. No, 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 uh, no scapegoats this time, Jim. Maybe he used some of his uh, $350,000 poker winnings for this movie. Yeah. He used, he, half of it went to the wife, ex-wife. Half of it went to Assassin 33 AD. <laughs> the rest of the money he got from his, uh, his failed business ventures, uh, vitamin cola and, and magic teeth whitening that the FDA outlawed. <laughs> Uh, oh the plot God. of Assassin 33 AD um, involves uh, the dentist lobby. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, oh, God. he should have though. He should have included the dentist lobby. That would have even better. Okay, Assassin 33 AD opens with a family riding in a car. Uh, the dad looks like Brad. He's like Dollar Tree Bradley Cooper. <laughs> so for the rest of the time, I just call him Bradley Cooper or fake Bradley Cooper. Um. He, he and his wife and his two daughters are in the car. He's talking about how they've had to move. And he's like, I've gone from, you know, protecting embassies and killing terrorists now to have to be a security guard. So, you know, he's set up. He's like a very, you know, Navy SEALs, American badass dude. He's got he's got 20 confirmed rifle kills. Ooh. You know, that type of thing. Navy SEALs copy pasta. Yeah, uh, yeah. Humble, dude. humble brag. Uh, they're all talking about this. The wife is like, you know. God's going to do something miraculous through you. I have a good feeling about all this. Then they're immediately, like, pancaked by a semi-truck. Oh. There's a great shot of, like, a shitty, like, CGI car. Like, obviously, like, they cut. And it's, like, a CGI car getting hit by the truck. Uh, it's a great little uh, effect there. I love that. Uh, the guy, the guy Bradley Cooper, survives. But the car explodes. And his wife and child, um, it is... Basically, you know, you're shown and presumed that they're dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a nice happy opening. Yeah, I love that. Right out the gate, making me feel good that I'm watching it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at College University, uh, I, they never say the name, so I just called it that. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's State, a, State College University Tech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bunch of kids are finishing up, like, a test. They're turning it in. Um, this, like, nerd guy keeps bumping into this, like, hot girl with a Jesus cross necklace. Yeah, you'll have that. Um, and she's, like, he bumps into her a second time. And he's, like, I'm so sorry. I get, like, caught up in my work and I don't pay attention to, you know, what's around me. And he's, like, I graduated top of my class at MIT. Uh, and even though, which he's is. just throwing that out? Well, yeah, he throws out that he, like, is, was top of his class at MIT, but then they're in, like, a college, so it's very confusing as to, like, why he's in a college if he graduated MIT. Like, it's not clear. It's not grad school or something? It It's never said, but mm. it's it's not clear, definitely. But he says, okay, let me, we, we learn, this is our hero, basically. We learn his name is Ram Goldstein. Ram? Like, R-A-H-M. 
like okay. the Jewish name. Oh, okay. His name okay. is Ram Goldstein, but like with a name like that, they they might as well have named him like Jew Hebrewsburg. <laughs> like, come on, uh, like yeah, Ram like... Goldstein is the most like he's Jewish like name yeah, I've ever like, heard. Um, it's like when J.K. Rowling, um, and like her her like Asian stereotype. Yeah. Name, like um. Yeah. Yeah, it's like like Jesus Christ. Like dude, they just... couldn't think of a better name than Ram Goldstein for your Jewish character. Like, I mean, uh, Fuck. I don't. Out the gate, this movie looks great. So, um, he asked this like Christian hot girl on a date, and he takes a he like hot li- girl Christian summer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he lives in his like parents' basement, which is like his like science basement. Of so, he, so he's like he's like a nerd. He's a loser. Um, and he's treated like that by the girl, even though he, like, looks like... He's very, like, cut and looks, like, super attractive. He looks kind of like, you know, like an off-brand Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, and, but, like, the movie treats him as if he's some horrible, ugly troglodyte. When he's definitely not. <laughs> to the, like, dragging his knuckles and shit. To the point where there's, like, a montage set over sappy music with the uh, girl, which I guess is supposed to be, like, their relationship blooming. But it's, like, her, like dressing him and like you know the montage of like teaching him how to be cool like even though he totally looks fine already all she does is put on like a collared shirt on him that's good you know um so back to uh bradley cooper dad uh he's in his house and he's hitting the bottle he's he's in a rough spot because his wife and kids are dead um and you know that because they've placed like three empty bottles of shinerbach on the table (laughs) Oh, three, huh? That's the that's the signifier. It's like it's just like a house, and they're like, "How do we show that he's drunk?" Oh, we'll put three empty beer bottles on the table. <laughs> that's like as that's called as like yeah as, as subtle as coughing into a, a oh, handkerchief yeah. and there's and blood. blood on it. Yeah, <laughs> basically, it's 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 very like film like film school like short film like yeah. if we put beer bottles on the table, people will know he's 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 hit rock bottom. I mean, was one of them knocked over, or were they all standing up? Right? No, one of them was knocked over. Okay, so. good. I'm glad they conveyed that. Um, we see He's him a like messy drunk. We see Bradley Cooper take out a gun from like under a pillow, his like oh. handgun, and he like looks at it, and he's like, "I'm not a coward, but I hate you, God. Why the Why'd you do this, God?" He's all angry at God, you know. Yeah, it sounds like God's he's, not dead. He's denouncing dude. God. Yeah. Um. So. We cut and we go to the Institute of Matter Transfer Sciences. Okay. That has hired, uh, quote, like four kid geniuses to help uh, crack the code. Because apparently there's some national race for matter transfer, like teleportation, basically, to oh, master it. have been following the news about the IMTS? Yeah. <laughs> no, apparently not. Um, so this team of four geniuses are... Our, our, our friend uh, Ram Goldstein Hebrewsburg. Uh, we have a black guy named we have a black guy named Simon who plays the most stereotypical like cool comic relief black guy character who just wants to hang out and he's he's kind of he's he, he likes to slack off. It, basically, they have a black guy whose whole character is that he's lazy and he's cool. Good. Yeah. Very progressive movie. Yes. Uh, we have uh, the same Christian uh, scientist girl, not Christian scientist like Christian scientist, but the, <laughs> the 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 science girl who is a Christian and who's like the nice like heart of gold girl. Her name is right. Amy Amy Lee. Uh, no relation to the uh, singer of Evanescence. 
as far as I know, anyway. And then we have the one of the strangest characters in the movie who ends up getting like not a lot of screen time. The fourth member of their team is this Latino guy. I assume he's supposed to be like. Latino or Hispanic, his name's Felix, but his whole personality trait or character description or, uh, you know, traits in the movie is that he's, like, weird and, like, kind of, like, infantile and childish. Like, he carries around, like, a stuffed penguin and talks to it. It's very odd. I don't, I think they're trying to go for, like, like a, like, on-the-spectrum type thing with him, but it comes off as just, like, a full-grown college student who acts like a child, but is, like, mentally, like, completely sufficient and smart. It's very odd. I mean, I think they're just, uh, you know, they, they're just a little, like, they have a little kink. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so... <laughs> They all four have been recruited to master and, and try to perfect matter transfer, being the geniuses they are, at the Institute of Matter Transfer Sciences, which is owned by, and buckle up for this name, Austin, Ahmed Akbar, quote, the world's most, uh, no, sorry, quote, the world's most famous refugee or immigrant. I can't remember what it says. This, our main Arab character in this film's name, Austin, is Ahmed Akbar. Dude. They might I... as well have named him, like, Terrorist Explode Bar. Like, come on! Ahmed Akbar? Yeah, they're just, they are relying so heavily on, like, very outdated stereotypes. and Yeah. I don't love it. Uh, we don't see Ahmed Akbar yet, but there's going to be another very funny detail about this character uh, in the film that I will get to in a minute. But uh, so that's why that's who they're working for. That's he's the leader of this most famous immigrant, uh, successful immigrant is the is the one who owns this matter institute place. So there are okay. all these these four the, our four heroes with Ram kind of being the lead. They're trying to master this transportation technology. They do a test and they accidentally explode a, a CGI desk chair and it spatters all across the room. Uh, and because of this, like the security guys come in and of course all of the security guys who work at this place are all like also scary Arabic guys, like angry, scary Arabic guys. Um, and all, all four kids are, like, afraid that they're going to, like, be in trouble for accidentally making this chair explode while doing their experiments. Um, right, right. So at this point, this is when this is when we meet Ahmed Akbar. And as soon as he entered, like, his character went, appeared on screen and started talking, I was thinking, that is... That guy has a Latino accent. That, that guy is not Arabic. That guy's accent and his appearance are both like Hispanic and Latino. And sure enough, after the movie, I looked it up and he is a Mexican actor born and from Mexico playing an Arabic man. Boy, howdy. It's like very clearly like a like, you know, like Spanish accent though, like from the get go. It's he's very clearly not Arabic despite playing a character named Ahmed Akbar in the movie trying to convince you that he is Arabic. Um, So we meet, Ahmed, and he is actually very happy about this accident because, as he shows them on an iPad, when the chair exploded, it partially phased in and out of the receiving pad. So, you know, 
basically they were, they were they basically you know almost got the matter transfer so because of this he's like you're all promoted you're all now on you're all my lead team and he takes them to their new super science lab which is very like 1990s power rangers set like there's like an i'm pretty sure there's like an ipad tape there's like an ipad stuck to the wall with like a fake hand scanner on it and oh. like you know like there's like a there's like you know grid design like pad uh, you know, there's like lighting and it's all very like set looking. Um, no, I, I, how long into the movie is this? Would you say this is about maybe 20, 25 minutes. And there hasn't been a single assassin yet. No, we'll get to it though. Mm. It's got to ramp up, dude. They got to invent time travel before they can use the time travel for assassination purposes. You got oh, me? Of course. So, you know, the team, the kids, our leads get introduced to this new lab. They're now the lead team. They're left there to begin their, you know, further exploration into mastering matter transfer. Uh, we see Ahmed in his office. Uh, he calls Bradley Cooper dad into the office. And we learn that Bradley Cooper, his security position, he is the new, like, head of security Bradley Cooper. Yeah, he is the new head of security for Ahmed's science building research place. The IMST. Yes. Uh, the thing though is like Ahmed's office is the most like it's very like explicitly decorated as like this is the Arab guy's office because there's like brass like genie lamp behind him and like t rug like you know like woven like you know, tapestry rug on the wall and like, you know, like a mosaic thing behind him. And there's like palm trees, like in the office, like as potted plants. Mm. Like, like, I think the guy playing him, like the Mexican dude playing him at any point during the movie was like to, to Jim Carroll, like, Hey, like, this is a little weird. Like, why am I playing this middle Eastern man? And I, I do could you not think tell Jim you. Carroll threatened him? Uh, I would not put it past him. Jim Carroll seems like the very much like the aggro like white dude, <laughs> like middle aged white dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Based on the website and the pictures. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. So we're in Ahmed's office, and this is around the time where I started going, where where are they shooting this? Because it takes place in primarily at least all the inside stuff, like at the institute, which the primarily a lot of the movie takes place in. I could not figure out where it was shot, and I'll get to my revelation about where what I finally realized. But it was at this time I was like, where are they shooting this? Is this a school? Is this some kind of hospital or convention center? But we'll come back to that. While talking to Bradley Cooper uh, in his office, Ahmed kind of is like, I understand loss. I lost my parents when I was young. And we get a flashback where um, scary, like, terrorist Muslims uh, kill his parents because, like, his parents, they're like, you're, we, you, uh, you defied Allah, and you are, you became Christian. So now you must die. And the Muslims, like terrorists, like kill his parents because they were Christian, apparently. And then, <laughs> like, then the, then the scary Muslim terrorists literally like shout, like praise to Allah, and then they like shoot their guns in the air. It's very, uh, <laughs> it's it's very cartoonish, uh, evil Muslim terrorists. Uh, caricature. It's very much like Jeff Dunham. Yes, this is this is like Jeff Dunham's like foray into like serious like sci-fi adventure movie. Um, <laughs> so and and we see um, we see as a child like uh, 
so we see as a child Ahmed witnesses his parents' death, but then later on uh, we see Ram and Amy, the the two kid, two of our main leads. They discover Ram's like, there's someone using an outside, someone's communicating with the outside from here. Let me plug in and see who it is, and he does, and it turns out that 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 Ahmed is secretly communicating with the lead scary terrorist man from this childhood flashback. Uh, and he's like, he's like, Ram, he's like, a, or sorry, Ahmed, uh, Ahmed, or Ahmed, once you perfect this transporter technology, we'll be able to send our supplies and weapons to anywhere in the world so we can do terrorism. Ooh. And it's like, you know, so, so, Ahmed is funding all of this science research for teleportation to be able to uh, aid terrorists. And and obviously you're thinking, why is why is Ahmed helping these terrorists? They killed his parents, right? Right. Well, Amy asked that too, and it's completely explained away and never brought up again by uh, Ram as saying, oh, he must have Stockholm Syndrome and like the terrorists now. That's it. Never explained further where where Ahmed got these radical, like, fundamentalist beliefs other than it must be Stockholm Syndrome, and now he likes the terrorist that killed his parents. Did you know, I learned this recently, that Stockholm Syndrome is not based on a lot of fact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, like, has a pretty sexist history. But I just love that this movie, all motivation we are ever given for why Ahmed is now, like, helping and trying to, like, you know, be a terrorist and work with terrorists purely is like, oh, I guess he flipped in his Stockholm syndrome now. It's very much like, oh, he's he's Muslim. It you know, it was bound to happen type of a thing. Jesus. So, um, Ram and Amy are like, oh, we need to call FBI and Homeland Security, but we need to wait till we're outside so they can't track our phone. We're not in the con- we're not in the institute anymore. But then it immediately cuts in like the next scene. It's just like the all four of like the science kids working in the lab, and it's like as if like there's no rush or trouble at all. Like why I don't know why they didn't just immediately leave to like go and call the police or whatever or you know Homeland Security. Uh, so they're just like back in the lab. Everything's normal. Uh, you know, everyone's going to like grab some dinner or whatever. And Rom stays behind and accidentally discovers time travel because he's like, "Wait, oh. when I send something through time, when I when I try to transport something, I have to send it slightly back because the time it takes for the molecules to reconfigure." And like through this convoluted shit, he ends up discovering time travel. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So uh, I think this is when, so he discovers time travel and he's kind of like taken, they like, the, the guards burst in and they're like, take him to ah- Ahmed. And Ram and Ahmed have their little like time travel debate where it's like the classic thing where like Ahmed's like, this could be used for good. You know, what if we went back in time and killed Hitler? Wouldn't you want that? And, you know, of course, Ram is like, grandfather paradox if you do something it'll mess up regular time you know that whole thing right, right. Uh, it's very cliche ahmed gets very like angry muslim because uh ram is like m- you know maybe allah wants things to ha- happen how they did and ah- ahmed is like how dare you bring up allah and it's very like angry muslim and he restrains ram ram gets sent to like you know like this like warehouse part of the institute um 
he's restrained and but of course no one else knows how to do the time travel other than him so he's restrained and they start like torturing him to try to get the info out uh they detain the other three friends but they don't tell him why they're just like rom has made a breakthrough but it's top secret and he's working with the military so you all have to stay here um Bradley Cooper dad is like torturing Rom, which amounts to like him just punching Rom. It's very weak. Uh, but then, Bra- him. then Bradley Cooper dad is like, I don't want to do this. You know, this isn't right. And and Ahmed is like, don't worry, we're not actually going to hurt him. Or at this point, uh, Ahmed has like brought Rom's parents into like the other room and are like, I'm gonna kill your parents unless you tell me how to do time travel. And it's like, oh and you won't be able to save your parents unless you use time travel if I kill them. And Bradley Cooper's dad, Bradley Cooper dad is like, this isn't right, no. Uh, and Ahmed's uh-huh. like, don't worry, it's all bluff. We're just trying to scare him. Bradley Cooper dad kind of like goes down the hallway and is like, I didn't sign up for this. And he goes and angrily like prays to God and is like. None of this. Yeah, well, he's like, none of this is my fault, God. This is all on you from here on out. Uh, Back in the torture room, uh, the back in the torture room, Ahmed has Rom's parents killed. Just like straight up, like tell me the secrets, and then Rom won't. So Ahmed just he has his parents ice. The Rom's parents just they get ice shot in the head, and Rom under threat of of uh, more suffering and them killing and torturing his friends. Rom's like, fine, I'll do it. I'll, I'll perfect the time travel and I'll, le- I'll allow you to use it. Uh, so Ahmed's like, all right, you get three days, which I don't know why they give him because they immediately cut to three days later. Like, it's like, you have three days, next scene. It's three days later. <laughs> they like built suspense and then immediately broke it. Yeah, like- so immediately three days later um, and Rom has perfected time travel to do it. Uh, whoever goes through the little, they, they step on a pad and it transports them, to, you know, back, whatever. They have to wear like these little like wristwatch things that are basically like they track them. So once they're back in time, they can press the watch and that brings them back to the present. And Is this guy just ripping off Endgame? It's very much Endgame. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not dissimilar. Um, Like they literally make the like time GPSs. It's basically that, and also like if some if someone dies while wearing it, like it auto like transports their body back to the future. Um, So, so uh, of course you know Rom's like, all right, I've showed you how to do it, and I made this for you. Now let me go back and save my you know stop you you know make make my parents not dead. And of course Ahmed, because he's evil and a terrorist guy, he's like, you think I would really let you do that? Ha ha ha, take him away. So of course Rom's all upset. Uh, so Ahmed tells Bradley Cooper what he wants to use this time travel for because he is, uh, he is going as, as, as I told you with the synopsis, he is going to send Bradley Cooper as well as a strike team back in time to kill Jesus before he's ever crucified and resurrected, therefore stopping Christianity from ever existing. Uh, Oh, okay. And and Bold. I think there's a somewhat interesting moment where two of the other like Muslim security guys, like the the you know the but behind Bradley Cooper, like the second and third in command of security for Ahmed, are like Ahmed, we can't kill Jesus. He was a prophet. And Ahmed's like, 
I know, but he's not the son of God and killing him this way will prove it and stop a false religion from ever existing and bring glory to Allah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera, yeah. Um, so meanwhile, all of the, the friend, the, the three friends go and save Rom from, from detainment. That's but nice. by this point, Bradley Cooper and his strike team, which this is at the point, the strike team, when, when, when asked for a strike team, Bradley Cooper dad is like, get me champion national security. They're the no. best. So champion national security is That's like Jim a part Carroll's of, yes, they're like company. a part of the movie. They're like Bradley Cooper's like elite, like security force. Um, so Bradley Cooper and the security force uh, go back, they step on the pad, and they go back in time. They end up, we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to God, pleading to, like, you know, if is there any other way than this, please let me know, you know, thing, before being uh, captured by the Romans. So uh, they pop in back in time. Uh, they get there, and they're like, Bradley Cooper's like, we need to verify the target, which is very funny because he says that while looking through a scope and his verification of the target is Judas kissing Jesus on the cheek, like what happens in the Bible. And yeah. that's his like, we ver ver target verified. That's Jesus. <laughs> which is very funny because it's like, it's just, it's just like the fact that that's like Jesus that they're identifying. Like it's is, literally Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, like. it's very funny. Um, so they identify Jesus and then they... the. the Bradley Cooper dad and the strike team just freaking light it up. They light up Jesus. They light up the Roman guards. They kill oh all the God. disciples. It's like a leave no witness, like Fallujah, like Blackwater, Iraq, like American, like, a, like black, black site, team, you know, just like a fucking, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare mission where it's like remember no, no russian, russian. yeah yeah destroy everything yeah in the airport it's thing. very it's very much like yeah like u.s like black site like strike team they just <laughs> wipe them all out including jesus christ um so uh but before shooting jesus he's like on the ground wounded bradley cooper goes up to jesus and is like angrily is like why'd you kill my family or like if you're really the son of god you'd stop me from killing you right now and jesus starts talking and speaking with bradley cooper like in english uh, like perfect English, which Bradley Cooper does not notice in the moment. He domes Jesus in the head with a pistol, just like, you know, shoots him point blank. Jesus yeah, is dead. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Cooper, only after shooting Jesus in the head, is like, wait, was he speaking English? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> dude, maybe you should have, like, thought a little bit more before killing who might be the son of God. <laughs> Like it's only after oh, where it's that he's like he's like wait a second was he speaking English how could he do that oh maybe because he was Jesus I don't know it's too late though because he's dead I shot him in the oh, head with a Glock shit. so oh that's uh, terrifying actually so the team like uh, the strike team you know like puts him puts Jesus in a body bag and puts one of the watches on him so they bring him back they all the strike team all get back with Jesus's body. Um, while at the same time, uh, the gang goes to, they've, they go to the original lab, so not the super fancy lab, the lab where they teleported the chair. Um, mm -hmm. And they use that teleportation pad, which is still functional, time travel pad, to, they go back in time, so they arrive there at the same time as the strike team. Now, this is when it starts getting very convoluted, like, plot-wise, so I tried to do my best to keep it straight. Um, uh... 
at this point, they go back in time. They see like, oh my God, they're sending a strike force back to kill Jesus. Because at this point, they just went to the time kind of as sort of a pseudo escape, but also because they wanted to know what was happening. So this is when Rom and the in the gang put together that it's like, oh, they're, they've gone back in time to kill Jesus. And, and this is quote, Rom says, upon seeing Jesus and the strike team about to kill him, they say, it's Jesus. It's the ultimate jihad. <laughs> Killing, going what? back in time to kill Jesus is like the ultimate jihad because it's like wiping out Christianity before it ever exists. Oh my God. So um, at this point, I can't remember who, I want to say like Amy, the religious girl is like, why would, why would Muslims do this? And one of them, I think, uh, Ram says, they wouldn't, but Ahmed is an extremist. Like, the whole, like, oh, we don't think all Muslims do this. It's just the extremist, wink, wink, you know, that talking point where yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't hate gay people. I just hate the ones that are really loud and obnoxious. Or I don't hate black, I don't hate, you know, Black Lives Matter. I just hate the thugs who cause terrorism. It's like, it's like, the, well, it's like, it's like, um, it's, it's like, like the centrism. Yeah, I feel bad. It's like, yeah, it sucks that they were killed by police, but, like, they were doing something illegal. It's it's basically, Same like... Same group of people. It's like the radical centrism, like, oh, Muslims are good, it's just the extremists who are bad. And Shit, it's, it's like... It, even fucking neolibs are like it's, that. Oh, it's like the Trump ban... It's like the, the Muslim ban, where it's like, oh, it's not a real ethnic ban, though, because anyone can be Muslim, so him banning Muslims isn't, like, discriminatory. You know, that whole thing. Oh, God, yeah. It's that kind of logic. And of course, obviously, like, uh, you know, the Jesus girl's like upset, um, you know, about uh, the Jesus girl gets upset because Rom is like snarky about like, well, if he's Jesus, why doesn't he stop them from killing him? And Jesus girl gets mad. Amy gets mad at that. Um, but so anyway, the team decides to make a new plan because, you know, the strike team kills Jesus. They see it happen. Rom and Amy decide they're going to go back before the strike team left. Um, so they can like stop the strike team. So okay. they do that. They, they leave Felix and Simon, the black guy and the Latino guy, they leave right. them in the past for now. Uh, so Ram and Amy jump back in time to before the strike team left, they cause a diversion and lock themselves in the, um, the original teleporter room where the chair exploded. Uh, it because of this, like the the security guards like catch on and are like stop them and they lock the door. But it's obviously like a wooden door. But the one Sabir, who's like the second in charge behind Bradley Cooper, like shoots the door with a gun. And even though it's a wooden door, it like they pretend like it won't open. <laughs> Which is very funny. So he's like, bring in the saw. And it's like, dude, it's a the wooden. Saw. It's like a wooden door, dude. You should be able to get, break, shoot it open. But or just kick it. They're just like doing suspension of disbelief where they, they, in the script, they probably had it written like a big metal laboratory door. But all they had was, you know, a wooden door in wherever they're shooting. Which at this time I realized, oh, it's a church. They're shooting in a church. Of course, this is probably the church Jim Carroll goes to or some nearby mega church, and they're shooting in a mega church. It's oh, got to yeah. be. It's got to be like the classrooms and the offices of a mega church. That makes sense, yeah. So um, at this point, Ram and Amy realize I, this part's I'm very confused. They're like, we didn't go back far enough. Why didn't we go back far enough? And Ram's like, oh, it's daylight savings time. We went, 
the the computer must have compensated or something. It's super convoluted and stupid out of nowhere. So apparently it's daylight savings time or something. Uh, outside they're trying to break down the door with quote a saw, which is clearly like an angle grinder. Oh, good. Yeah. But they're pretending it's a saw. Um, I've done that multiple times. While the, while Rom is like putting in new coordinates into the transporter time machine, Amy on like to the security cameras, like signs, like sign languages, uh, instructions to the past Amy and Simon and Felix who are watching the monitors. Uh, she signs like Rom's in trouble. Go help him. You know, they're trying to kill Jesus. Yada yada yada. So. Amy and Rom in the lab are shot. They're dead. But these Amy, those are those were like a tangential Amy and Rom. The past Amy, Felix, Simon, and Rom are all alive still. So with the instructions from future Amy, our our new group uh, goes, saves Rom. Um, they get back to the lab, and they go back in time to before the strike team. Okay. This, meanwhile, back in the past. So we have, we have, we only have one Ram and Amy, but we now have one Ram and Amy and two Felixes and two Simons. Because back in the past, Felix and Simon are like, all right, we got to go back now. You know, I think they were waiting longer. So it was like, if Ram and Amy get ambushed, we'll wait and leave. We'll wait a couple of minutes and then leave. So we give you a head start. Um, kind of a thing. So Felix and Simon are like, all right, now we're going to go back. And they go back, but Felix's watch works. The the, the guy with the penguin, uh-huh. the weird guy, he goes, he's able to get back to the future, but Simon's watch like sparks and malfunctions. So he's stuck in the past. Um, meanwhile, in the future, Felix appears back. This is already after Jesus has been killed by the strike team. So Felix is captured by um, Ahmed and Ahmed's like, the world starts like changing and it's like bad green screen effect and they're suddenly in like this lush garden and feel and uh, Ahmed is like finally a world without filthy Christian scum. But then, you know, after a few seconds the world like morphs into like this like, you know, doomsday like crumbling buildings, like green toxic air in the sky. Uh, and Ahmed and his guards like disappear into oblivion, and Felix is like uh, on, Felix is like on the ground, and he's like he's like I guess he doesn't say this, but he's kind of like well I guess that Felix is just stuck in like post-apocalyptic world now, while the other Felix is fine. Uh, it's very funny. Um, Jesus. So that Felix is there, kind of stuck in limbo apocalypse world where Jesus has been killed in the past. Meanwhile, our new gang. Of, ki- of 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 our new our new gang of heroes arrive in the past. Uh, they they get to where they where the strike team will appear in a matter of seconds, and they're like, "How do we stop the strike team?" And Rom is like, "If we attack them while they're materializing, we can kill them." So basically, their whole plan is getting sticks, and as soon as the team starts materializing, they like shove sticks like into the bodies. So like oh when they God. materialize, like they're impaled by a stick. Yeah, yeah. And this works for a majority of the group. They get back in. T- they they end up killing like the majority of the guard soldier strike team. Um, but Sabir, the number two, and Bradley Cooper are able to kind of like get off. They shoot and kill f- this version of Felix and Simon, as well as shooting and wounding Amy. But Ram is okay, and then they kind of like escape and run off. 
So now we have Bradley Cooper and the number two guy, Sabir, are in the past and they've run off to kind of like escape the gang. That version of Simon and Felix are dead and now it's just Amy injured and bleeding and Rom. You you, you clear? Uh, Yeah, as clear as I can be, I think. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, so Rom kind of like makes like a temporary like tourniquet, like kind of like, you know, wraps his shirt and stuff around Amy. So to kind of stop the bleeding. And then Rom runs off to make sure Jesus is not assassinated. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Simon, who's the black guy, black guy. Our black right. like genius kid. So the, the alternative version of Simon who got stuck in the past because his watch wouldn't work. He's kind of just like chilling out and walking around and like trying to get his watch to work and he like pokes it with a stick and it zaps and works. But instead of sending him back to the future, it just sends him to Jesus right before uh, Jesus, um, while Jesus is like praying by himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Simon kind of like has a heart to heart with Jesus and is like, yo, you're him, dude. I saw your movie or at least part of it, you know, kind of goofy banter, you know, kind of a thing. He's talking to Jesus and like telling him about like what happens to him. And he's like, yeah, you get nailed to a cross. It's pretty grisly. But there are also some guys trying to kill you. They're here and they're trying to mess up time and all this. And there's the one moment slash joke in the movie I actually liked where Jesus, after Simon tells Jesus about like, you know, getting crucified and everything that's to come, Jesus is like, and, and what of my disciples? And kind of just in the background, Simon is like, well, I think Peter gets crucified upside down, but I'm not sure. And I don't oh know why, God. I don't know why, but I just like that weird, like moment of that joke moment of like weird, like theological, like factoid joke uh he's just getting crucified upside down don't worry about him uh at this moment i realized the actor playing jesus kind of looks like jared leto nice (laughs) unrelated to the plot just an observation thank you so simon is basically trying to like convince jesus of like the alternative like you don't have to go through with crucifixion it's it's awful you don't need to do it and basically uh jesus is like no I know I have to, I'm Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. So we see Jesus get taken by the Roman guards as normal, as in the Bible. So everything seems to be, you know, okay. Right, right, right. Um, we see, uh, what, what happens next? Oh, well, yeah. I Jesus gets crucified. Well, we'll get to that. Hold on. It was at this moment that I realized, like, a large majority of these, like, past biblical characters are played by, like, pudgy white guys. Like, like the Roman guards and the disciples are just, like, kind of, like, pudgy white guys. Later on, there's, like, some, like, Middle Eastern-looking people and, like, black people for, like, the, like, you know, Nazareth, Jerusalem scenes or whatever. Uh, but a lot of them are, like, pasty white guys, which is funny. So, um, what happens next? Rom is... He, he watches them, like, take Jesus safely. Mm-hmm. Well, not safely away, but he sees the Roman guards take Jesus right, right. as is supposed to happen. Uh, but he also sees that one of the Roman guards has, like, a gun because when the security when they killed the security strike team guys, they, like, dropped their guns and one of the Roman guards, like, found a Glock. <laughs> um, so, so Rom kind of, like, runs up and, like, steals the Glock out of the Roman's, like, belt and the Roman, like, rips his robe off, and Rom, like, runs away in his, like, shoes and underwear with a Glock. Uh, oh, at this moment, yeah. Rom runs into, like, Peter, uh, 
and Peter, like, you know, has the sword because, you know, of course, when Jesus gets taken, Peter tries to, like, fight back, and he cuts the Roman guy's ears off, and, right, and Jesus shit. heals it and is like, no, I have to go. This is what's supposed to happen, etc. Uh, Rom runs into Peter, and Peter, you know, they, they all speak, you know, Peter is, like, speaking Hebrew or whatever, so Rom can't understand him, but but Peter, like, gives him the cloak because Rom's naked, basically, except for underwear. So, you know, now Rom has has a cloak and a glock tucked in the waistband, uh, the, the, the string, like, tied around his cloak. Um, so in the future, the scientists, uh, working for Ahmed are like, uh, they find the bodies of all the guards cause they like auto teleport back. Um, and, and Ahmed's like, they, those kids must be metal, you know, those kids must be messing with what's going on. And they see that, you know, Simon and Felix bodies are dead from those versions anyway. So they're like, well, Rom and Amy must be the only ones left. Stop their watches from being able to teleport back. So basically, like, they prevent, they, like, do some science stuff. And now Rom and Amy can't use the watches they have on to be able to teleport back. So undercover Bradley Cooper and Sabir, his kind of, like, second in command, they're right. undercover in Jerusalem. But because Sabir is stupid and, like, steals a tomato off of a stand, like, oh. you know, the, the guy's, like, you know, shouts at him and the Roman guards come up and, like, restrain and arrest them. And they, that causes both of them to, like, drop their guns and their watches, <laughs> their magic time travel watches. And one of the watches in the like, falls around the gun and, like, that transports back in time while... While the other watch we see like falls to the floor, the ground, and like some random lady picks it up, which will come back into play later. Good. Um, uh, meanwhile, I believe yes. Meanwhile, we see Jesus in the middle of his of his trials. We see Jesus, you know, being whipped with the crown of thorns, carrying the cross down the street on his way to be crucified. Uh, of mm -hmm. course, as in. As in the Bible, Jesus drops the cross, he stumbles and he falls, um, and we see our version of Simon, who's stuck in the past, uh, walk up, and he sees this happening to Jesus, and he kind of goes out to Jesus and is like, you know, I, I don't, you know, you don't need to do this, Let, you know. And Jesus, of course, is still like, no, I need to. And and a little twist, a little, you know, clever wink, wink here. Simon helps Jesus, you know, up and carries the cross for Jesus. Um, nice. You know, kind of alluding to that moment in the crucifixion where, Simon, mm -hmm. you know, he, he did that same thing. It's a little kind of like, uh, oh, see what they did there. Um, so, ah, clever, clever. so um, meanwhile, Rom uh, is kind of just carrying around Amy, who's still bleeding to death and dying. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote this down specifically, but there's a moment where he kind of just yells like, help. And it's very funny, like the way he yells it. <laughs> and of course, no one speaks English. But, you know, he walks up to some ladies and he has Amy and they obviously see she's injured and that Ram is like, take us to a doctor. And these ladies like lead them. But of course, you know, it's not a doctor. Uh, they bring him to Jesus. And of course, Ram's really upset and is like, no, I need a doctor, not Jesus. Even though, like, you know, I don't think doctors even existed back then. Yeah, you dummy. Like, you know, healers. Uh, and so basically, uh, Ram is all upset because he's like, you know. He's like, Jesus, why won't you heal her? Why won't you do it? Uh, you know, if you're the son of God, you would you would stop her from dying, blah, etc. But then in a twist, you ready for this? We see the on the two crosses next to Jesus, you know who's up there? Hmm. Bradley Cooper, Dad, and Sabir. Oh. They're they're they are the two 
guys, the two criminals, crucified with Jesus. Oh, my God. And they're in pain. And Well, yeah, I'd imagine. And Sabir, because he's an asshole, is like, of course, the doubter one where he's like mocking Jesus while on the cross. But yeah, yeah. Bradley Cooper... Bradley Cooper dad is the, you know, remember me when you get to your kingdom guy. Bradley Cooper dad is the ask for is the guy who asks for forgiveness. And of course, mm. Jesus is like, you will be with me in paradise, etc. And um, so that's a clever little moment of a twist where it's like, oh, they play in, you know, now they're characters in the story kind of a thing. They're the guys. Um, of course, this makes Rom really mad because he's like, why are you forgiving Bradley Cooper, who's working for the evil guys, but you won't save Amy? Uh, and so, uh, Jesus is like to save Amy, you must forgive Bradley Cooper, dad. But of course, Rom is stubborn and he won't, and he's really mad. And he's like, I'm not going to forgive him. And I'm never going to forgive you either, Jesus. Um, and you know, so Jesus dies. Meanwhile, uh, Simon meets up this alternative version of Simon stuck in the past meets up with uh, Rom and Amy. They kind of all are teaming up. They're like, what happened? He's like, I'm the alternative version of Simon. I got stuck here in the past. I couldn't get back. And they're like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile in the future, Ahmed is like angry. Cause he's like, he sees that, you know, like Jesus got crucified and everything's going as planned. So Ahmed gears up and is like, I'm going to go back, transport myself into the tomb and stop Jesus from ever resurrecting. So Ahmed transports himself back and is inside the, to inside the tomb with Jesus. Um, meanwhile, Amy, Amy is like regaining consciousness and she's like, take us, let's go to the tomb. Take me to the tomb so I can witness Jesus resurrection. Um, inside the tomb, we see kind of Ahmed. He's waiting around for Jesus to resurrect. But all of a sudden, like, every, things start shaking and there's glowing. And Ahmed's like, I'm out of here. And he teleports out. And the tomb explodes. The door of the tomb, the stone explodes. And the Roman guards get blasted away. Uh, and we see resurrected Jesus. The tomb's now empty as, si as Simon and, um, and Rom go into the tomb. It's empty, no more Jesus. And the resurrected version of Jesus appears to Amy and is basically like comforting her and like telling her it's going to be all right and helps her die peacefully. Of course, um, you know, of course that, that um, of course that makes, uh, you know, uh, Rom really mad because he goes and he finds that Amy has died while he went to the tomb. Uh, and he's yeah, like, shit. why didn't you save her, God? Ah, but Why have you forsaken me? So, but at that moment, Mary, Mary, Mary Magdalene walks up and she is the woman from earlier who found the watch that got dropped Ooh. on the ground. So she is like, here, take this. You know, she doesn't say that, but she gives Simon and Ahmed the one working time watch that still exists. So, uh, you know, they're like, how do we get back even though we only have one watch? And out of nowhere, Rom is just like, oh, we can try a, a double retrieval, which has never been mentioned or spoken about before. But apparently it's a thing now because it's convenient for the plot where basically they use one watch to get them both back, uh, which is risky, okay. but like is fine. And they both survive. Um, so they teleport back into the lab uh, and... They immediately, like, Simon shoots a guy with the gun they have and gets shot. So Simon's injured. Um, so he stays behind in the lab. And, and Rom is like, you know, once, once, you know, 
once this countdown ends, you need to destroy the machine so no one can go back in time and use it anymore. Oh, God. So, um, so Rom basically goes back in time again, though, before, like, two minutes before his parents were killed, leaving dying Simon behind in the lab. Rom goes back in time. Simon's in the lab. Rom teleports away. Simon lights up the, the machine so it's destroyed. Of course, uh, Ahmed comes in and is evil, and it shoots Simon in the head, even though Simon's basically already dying. Rom goes back in time. He saves his parents. And... Yeah. Um, he saves his parents and, uh, you know, Ahmed sees Rom, like, save his parents and realizes, oh, my God, he's come, you know, they've used the time travel and now they're, they've come back. So Rom and Bradley Cooper kind of, like, run off. Rom runs after them. There's a really funny shot where you can see C stands in the background, which are, like, this type of stand you use in filmmaking to, like, hold um, different things. Uh, and you can clearly see them in the background of one shot, which is really funny. Um Basically, uh, Rom runs after Bradley Cooper and Ahmed, and they end up in Ahmed's office, uh, where where Rom kind of like you know has Bradley Cooper at gunpoint type of a thing, and you know basically Bradley Cooper you know begs for forgiveness and is like, I don't know what I did to you in in the future that happens, but I'm so sorry. I've lost everything, and I know my wife would be ashamed of me if she were still here. Please, I, I'm sorry about it all. You know, forgive me. And so Rom forgives Bradley Cooper, and he doesn't kill him. Um, suddenly, Sabir, the second in command, comes in, and he has a gun to Amy's head. Uh, so, oh, and the guards have gun. The other two security guys have guns on Rom and his parents because his parents have then run into the room. Um, Rom puts a gun's he- a gun to Bradley Cooper's head, and Sabir's like, "I'll shoot Amy," and Rom's like, "I'll shoot Bradley Cooper." And then all, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, apparently Ahmed was just, like, hiding under his desk this whole time because he just pops out from under his desk, shoots Rom, uh, shoots Rom in the side. Rom falls to the ground. Um, and basically, Ahmed has, like, r- the gun on Rom now, and he's uh, basically, like, threatening to kill his parents. Um, you know, all the guns are on Rom, but Bradley Cooper has a change of heart uh, because Rom forgave him. And he sees how evil Ahmed is. And Bradley Cooper shoots Sabir and the guards and looks like saves the day. But before you can shoot Ahmed, Ahmed shoots Bradley Cooper. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the last second, um, Rom grabs the, like, ceremonial knife from a flashback that's on Ahmed's desk and uses the knife to, like, it's really brutal, like, stab Ahmed and while he's stabbing him Ahmed's like why won't you forgive me like you forgave him and Rom's like don't worry you're only dead in this time continuum and like brutally like nails this knife into into Ahmed's like chest and Ahmed's dead it's a very brutal very brutal killing scene um so uh Bradley Cooper is on the floor and is like, he can't feel anything because apparently Ahmed shot him and he's like paralyzed now. All oh, of a sudden, man. these random two champion security, whatever, guards rush in and they like have like the logo on them and everything. They're very clearly no. like the champion security guards. And they're basically like, Bradley Cooper, what happened? Because he's like their superior officer or whatever. And he's right. like, 
Ahmed and all his security guys, they're evil. They're working for terrorists. So those two random security guards getting like a random like 10 second gunfight with like random bad security guards in the hallway. <laughs> it's a very like random, just like short gunfight scene, which I don't yeah, know why it's in there. a quick little firefight. That's good. That's um, what you need. Of course, Rom has also been shot, so he's dying on the floor. And he's like, Amy, get out your... He, he says, quote, use your Bible app and read to me what happened to Jesus after they captured him. Oh, my God. So Will she make sure the timeline is right or something? Yeah, she reads it. Everything's correct. Also, Rom's now in the Bible because there's a passage about him running up to the Roman guard and getting his robe stolen and stuff where he gets where he's running off in his underwear. Um, so we see Rom die... Amy's all sad, but then the normal past version of Rom runs in because the version of Rom that just died, you know, he didn't exist anymore because that time continuum stopped existing. Sure. So, so real Rom is actually okay. Everything's fine. Yay. Right. And we cut three months later, uh, we see Ahmed, not Ahmed, sorry. We see Rom who's like, he's like, I got to do this. I got to do the right thing. Even though it'll change everything, we see Rom go back in time and basically like he's like a like you know road worker with a stop sign handheld stop sign where he he kind of like appears into the road and prevents Bradley Cooper and his family from getting in the car accident and he oh. also leaving while and he drops the the stop sign and it has a note on the back of it it's like you know Ahmed Akbar and his you know Security people are working for terrorists, contact Homeland Security, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it's implied that, like, you know, they're able to circumvent everything that happens via that. But at the same time, I was thinking, like, wait, but if he did that, didn't mean time travel was never invented, so he could have never gone back in time to do that in yeah, the first the place. Yeah, just shot himself in the foot. It, it completely defies its own logic at the end. But whatever, cut to credits. But there's a little after credit scene, which is very weird. So... Do you remember when Rom and Amy are in the lab and she, like, does the sign language and then that version of them gets shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shows a post credit scene where apparently they weren't both dead. Apparently Rom is still alive enough to put in coordinates on the time machine, drag him and Amy's dying bodies onto the machine, and transport them, like, 20 years into the future where they appear and all of a sudden all these, like soldier like rebel looking guys like come up on them and they're like who are they and they're like they don't have any chips on them they're not marked and and then one of the soldiers is like i i wonder what the anti you know i wonder how they're you know i wonder why the antichrist sent them back in time so it's like this whole weird setup for like some sort of like future movie where it's like you know the whole like oh the mark of the beast and being you know everyone's gonna have microchips and there's the antichrist and <sighs> I don't know but the end that's 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 assassin thirty three A D. What the fuck? So it ends it ends basically all the kids are fine none of them died the parents are fine they stop the plot they go back in time and they stop all of it from ever happening. Um, I mean, that's good? it. I uh, I don't know. Is it good, Austin? I is it? I have to know, I have to know my lord. Have to know, I have to know my lord. Have to see, I have to see my lord. Have to see, I have to see my lord. If I die, what would be my reward? If I die, what would be my reward? Have to know, have to know my lord. Have to know, I have to know my lord. 
What, what do you think of how what I've told you of Assassin 33 AD, Austin? Um, you know, honestly, I wanted to see the movie until they just fucked up the time travel at the very end, and then I'm like, ah, they're not taking this seriously. I don't want to see this. I know it's like they there's there's a lot of like really high concept. Like I feel like they put way too much effort of about the time tra- like into the time travel for like an evangelical movie than I would have expected except for the very end which like calls into question like why if he if he goes back in time and stops Bradley Cooper and all that from ever happening doesn't that mean they never worked for Ahmed therefore they never invented time travel therefore like, they never He ne- could have just done that at the beginning and it would have solved everything. Like I don't it's it's very that yeah. could have been the only thing he did. If if that last scene didn't happen like or not the last, yeah, if that last time travel jump didn't happen, like, I feel like it would have been somewhat better. Because, like, I was thinking about this last night after I watched it. In theory, and in execution, uh, this whole idea of, like, a plot to go back in time and kill Jesus, and, like, time tra- like a ta- Christianity time travel movie, as well as how it's executed in this, for the most part, is decent. Like, there's not an overt amount of, like, like hateful, like, evangelical stuff. A lot of it comes down to, like, being about forgiveness and being about, like, you know, helping others and stuff like that. The problem right, with right. this movie comes in its, like, horrible execution and, like, racist characters and, like, the whole weird, like, evil Muslim thing. Like, if, if instead of, like, evil Muslims, it was, like, some, like, business, like, evil businessman who was, like, I'm going to go back in time and stop Christianity from, to, from existing so that people in the future will, you know, they'll only care about money and I, you know, or, you know, maybe he, like, he has some vendetta against Christianity personally or something, but it's like the right, fact right. that they did like, you know, this whole, you know, cliched, racist, you know, questionable, problematic, you know, evil Arab Muslim thing, terrorist thing. And the fact that, you know, you have like a black guy character who's like super stereotypical, like black dude comedy relief from like an early 2000s movie. And like our main character is like a skeptical Jewish guy who's like smart and is named Ram Goldstein. And like, it's just, there's like a lot of like, yeah, it's just, it's caricatures is what it is. Yeah. Like. It's like the, the, the fundamental plot mechanics and themes aren't necessarily like the worst I've seen in terms of like evangelical movies. It's just the the sheer execution of it all is just so cheap and so not good and so problematic in ways. It's just like disingenuous, honestly. Like, yeah, like may and maybe like, you know, I don't know. It's like if it would have been a better movie, maybe I could have like seen past the like problematic stuff. Maybe I could have put that to the side and been like, you know, despite being a shitty problematic evangelical movie, it's got pretty solid fun time travel stuff, but it goes in like shits the bed and isn't good. And it's all very cheaply done. It's all shot. Like I said, inside this church, all the, all the props and stuff looks cheap. Uh, None of the actors are particularly good. It's, you know, like I said, Ahmed Akbar is played by a clearly, like, Latino Mexican guy. Right. It's 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 just, just, yeah. It falls short. It falls short. I mean, I appreciate that it, for an evangelical movie, it didn't just do another boring plot about an atheist, like, 
converting to Christianity. I, I appreciate that they actually like tried something somewhat original, like going back in time to kill Jesus is like a fun idea. Like it's very like exploitation grindhouse. It's ridiculous. Like 70s sleazy, 80s sleazy thing. And I appreciate like a crazy out there idea. I just wish they would have like been able to have more fun with it rather than being so, I don't know. If I, um, like, I wish Kevin Sorbo was in it. I'm sure, dude, it, I if Kev, if it, instead of like Ahmed Akbar played by a Mexican guy, instead it was like an evil like f- like if they just went like all out like and had him be like an evil atheist like satanist, like mm-hmm. I would have loved like a super over the top campy thing like that and have it be Kevin Sorbo. That would be perfect. That would be great. But it's the fact that like I think it, this all goes back to like reading Jim Carroll's personal website where it's like everything is like taking itself like so seriously and like not everything has to be like this like fake veneer of like seeming more professional than it is. It's like if they would have just had fun and made like a campy low budget like crazy time travel movie that has like Christian themes like yeah. I think it would have been way more enjoyable than this like sanctimonious like semi-racist shit that they did it's like when when like restaurants take themselves super seriously yeah but like half like, the time people really just want like good food yeah like give that's me like give me just like did honestly yeah and not like it's not like where the food is talking down to you like it's just like give me give me a movie. give me a greasy delicious fried you know cheeseburger on a paper plate and some fries rather than you know putting it on a plank of wood with like garnishes yeah don't like serving the fries in like a weird small miniature fry basket yeah like (laughs) just yeah it's this whole problem where it's like everything even these god-awful evangelical films like if they just tried to have fun rather than being so up their own ass then they might actually be entertaining even to non-christians but as it stands all they are right now are like they're just these like like slogs to get through of just like pure like propaganda bullshit. So slogs. so 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 the moral of the story is if you're going to make a crazy weird movie like where someone goes back in time to assassinate Jesus, go all out. Yeah. Uh, balls to the fucking go wall. Go balls to the wall, make, you know, add in some more violence, add in some more crazy Make the villain an evil Satanist or something who, like, wants to, like, bring about the end of the world by going back and killing Jesus. Like, cut all the sanctimonious crap. Cut all the stupid, <laughs> cut all the stupid, like, oh, Get scary. high horse. Cut all the stupid, boring. We've seen Muslim terrorist bad guys in every movie since 2001. Uh, yep. Like, come on. Give us something. If you're going to go there, go extreme. Go crazy. That's what I want if you're gonna make your if you're gonna make your you know propaganda yeah, movie. Don't be a little bitch about it. So, Jim Carroll, this is our critiques, not only on your movie but on your hilariously sad personal website. Uh, maybe maybe Jim maybe if Jim Carroll cut the crap and stopped like trying to have 19 different careers and, and, and scam and make a quick buck wherever he could. Maybe, maybe if he just like focused and honed his powers on making like, like Christian, like cheesy, like exploitation action movies, maybe that he could be really good. But as it stands right now, he's too much up his own ass about freaking poker and his shitty security firm, which this movie is like a semi advertisement for and, yeah, um, and his fake cola. And... Would you mind 
if it's all right with you, I'd like to say a word or two to Jim Carroll. Sure, go ahead. All right, this next, this is what I'm about to say is for Jim Carroll only. Um, just pull your finger out of your ass, man. What are you fucking doing? I don't get it. Just stop. That's, I, yeah, I, 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 that's good, Austin. I think you needed to hear that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he's, he's had anyone tell him no well, in his life. Well, he's on, well, he was told no when he broke his leg in sixth grade. And it, ended, <laughs> it ended his athletic career. With his animal instincts. Jim, we get it. You, you, you think you could have been the next Brett Favre based on how athletic you were as a four-year-old. We get it. It's very upsetting, but you got to move past it, bud. Jim, are you the kind of guy to to shave your chest hair into a specific design? Like the Batman symbol? Yeah. <laughs> Jim, or are you he, the kind he sh- of guy He shaves that... it into a cross for Jesus. <laughs> and it ends right between the nipples. Yeah. Exactly. Jim, are you the kind of guy that uh, in college would refer to yourself as an entrepreneur even though you were still oh, a student? The the website, his website at the top, despite all of his many careers that I listed out, it says Jim Carroll and then underneath entrepreneur. Oh, so perfect. I think first and foremost, he considers himself an entrepreneur. Good. That's a meaningless word. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Might as well write pee poo poo man there instead of <laughs> entrepreneur. Uh, he does have a Twitter that I found last night, but he hasn't tweeted since like 2019. But I don't know. Maybe when I post the episode, I'll tag him and see if he listens to the show. Oh God, we're gonna get a cease and desist. For what? I don't know. We don't use any copyrighted material. Ah, you know, you know how they are. We'll see you in court, Jim. Just like your ex-wife, <laughs> we're gonna take all your poker winnings, Jim. <laughs> you gotta give me a slice of that pie. Yeah. Well, Austin, that was our that was our Easter movie, our Easter special. <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Uh, hopefully no one goes back in time and kills Jesus. Uh, and if you do, call me. If you do, just make at least make a good movie out of it. Yeah, man, just have a good time. Any final words or thoughts, Austin? Um No. You sure? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'd like to point out that, this, that the word assassin does have the word ass twice in it. Oh, my God. It totally does. I've never noticed that. Ass, ass, in. Wow. That's when you go ass to ass. Ass, ass, in. Like that other movie. Yeah. What? Dr- Requiem for a Dream. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I don't they know. do go ass I've never seen it. Uh, yeah. Well, remember to follow the show on Twitter if you like. It's and, uh, uh, Remember to brush your teeth. Yeah, the show on Twitter is, is a capital E, the number two, capital A, podcast with a capital P, E2A podcast. Uh, brush your teeth, uh, drink water, stay hydrated. Uh, happy Easter. Um, anything else? Jim um, Carroll, uh, pick a career already, bud. Just one. You just don't pick need one. That many. Save and, some for the rest of us, will you? And get over your sixth grade leg injury. Yeah, it's, it's really not that big a deal, I promise. All right, everybody, and Jim Carroll, we'll see you next time when we review and I explain a movie. And it's gonna depart. Goodbye. We're gonna do it. It's Jesus versus the Easter Bunny. It's Jesus versus the Easter Bunny. They're fighting for control of this holiday. So it's Jesus versus the Easter Bunny. One corner, you've got the Son of God, and the other, a giant bunny.
This song is very serious, I'm telling you it's not funny, cause it's Jesus versus the Easter Bunny. Who 